Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm the bread maker and writer and question <laughs> giver. With me is Matthew Farrell. Matthew? Hello. <laughs> How's that bread? <laughs> How's that bread indeed? Uh, today we're going to be talking about Matthew's most recent episode on his channel. It is the truth about solid state batteries. How close are they? And this episode dropped on March 17th, 2020. Before we get into that, I was just going to mention that I'm in the beginning of week three of social isolation from the COVID-19 pandemic. And I am hip deep in what is lovingly called procrastinating. <laughs> What have you made today? <laughs> you wander around in your house slippers and pajamas and you just keep baking things. I, a couple days ago, made a no-need bread, which I followed a YouTube channel. And the results were fine the very first time I did it, which was several weeks ago. And then this most recent batch, I let it rest as directed, which was about three hours at room temperature. The problem is my apartment runs on the cool side. So with the cooler temperatures in my kitchen, I think room temperature was not room temperature enough. Right. And the result was a loaf of bread that didn't really rise very much. It came out looking about half as big as I expected. And it was beautiful to look at, but cutting through it and trying to eat it was a little bit like trying to eat a hockey puck. <laughs> It tasted good, but it was far too dense. Yeah. And so it was, I gnawed through as much of it as that I could. And I decided even though I had just made it, I would make another one. So I made another one yesterday following a slightly different recipe, which was let your dough rest for at least 12 hours, maybe even as much as 18. So I started it yesterday evening. And this morning I got up and it was all nice and bubbly. And the thing about this dough is it is very runny. So uh -huh. it almost looks like something between a bread dough and pancake batter. Right. So it's very runny and you have to turn it out onto a floured surface and then use a scraper and fold it over itself several times to get it sort of semi-coated with flour. And then you put it in a bowl and then you put it in the oven inside a dutch oven so i have a big metal pot with a nice heavy lid and so i put it in that this time it came out doubling in size it looks great it's nice and big it's nice and gold and i'm looking forward to cutting into it later but what all this means is i'm currently talking to you from a kitchen that is roughly five hundred thousand degrees in temperature <laughs> <laughs> so if our listeners hear the sound of rain, that's actually the sweat dripping off of my forehead. <laughs> and if there's the sound of thunder, that's my head hitting the table. <laughs> but the bread will taste delicious. The bread will taste delicious. It is currently cooling near a window. I wish I was cooling near the window, but I'm not. It's Corona bread. Is that what you're calling it? It. I'm not going to call it that because I want to be able to eat it. <laughs> so into the episode. This is another one that made me feel like Homer Simpson 
watching the Troy McClure video about foundation repair. Right. There's a lot of technical stuff here, yes. but it's, it's understandable. It's, and I do appreciate the, the links you went to in the video to give a, a rough rundown of the chemistry involved and what's happening. I have some personal experience with battery breakdown, exploding battery issue that you talked about. I had a cell phone that I tried to get the battery replaced recently. And when I took it into a Best Buy to see if they would replace the battery, they took one look at the phone and they said, oh, we're not going to touch this because you can see this bulge right here. And it was a bulge I had not noticed until they pointed it out. It's a little Mm -hmm. bit like weight gain, I think. You know, you walk around, you feel good about yourself. And then somebody who knows you well says like you put on a little bit of weight <laughs> so the guy says see this bulge in the screen see how the screen is bowing out and i looked at it and i'm like oh my gosh yes and he's like yeah we won't touch this because this could explode yeah so one of the questions that popped into my mind about that in particular was is that one of the reasons why the technology in electric vehicle batteries Mm-hmm. is that they don't go super large. They'd go with the cells that are the big packs of hundreds of what look like smaller AA batteries as opposed to creating one large battery. Is it is the issue that if you create one large battery, you're guaranteed to end up with that kind of <laughs> explosive no. technology? Uh, n- not from the, what, everything I've read and people I've talked to, the in general, no. Because there are battery packs that have very large pouch-style cells in them. Um, You just have to account for the expansion and contraction for those kind of things. Make sure there's enough space that it can handle that without issue. It's more about manufacturing costs than anything else. Because cylindrical cells are really, are are much cheap, have historically been much cheaper to manufacture. So I think it's more about manufacturing costs than anything else. Creating the super thin cathodes and is it cathodes and anodes? Yes. And then the fine barrier between them at a larger scale would just be cost prohibitive, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's manufacturing always comes down to yields. It's like, you know, you're, you're manufacturing something and for every hundred that you make three, you have to throw away because they don't pass quality assurance testing. It's like the larger you make the thing. (laughs) <laughs> right if it if it doesn't pass muster that's a lot of material you're <laughs> chucking into a scrap heap right so it's it's more efficient to make smaller things right uh, a lot of them and is one of the driving elements between all these different competing paths that these different companies are on is it a does it boil down to not wanting to share patents I would say that's true for everything, not even just batteries. Yeah. Every company is rushing to get a patent on something that is groundbreaking so that they can kind of corner the market on that. And then everybody would have to come to them to license and they can make tons of money off of those patents. Right. And license the technology out to other companies for use and so on and so forth. Right. Because it, it strikes me as there's a certain point where you wonder why doesn't IBM and Toyota create a partnership or Toyota and some other company that is developing or already further ahead in some aspect. And it seems like they're all sort of individually trying to find the Northwest Passage and they're all kind of freezing to death in the snow. <laughs> well, so, some are partnering together. So it's there are car companies that are com- partnering up with like LG Chem and stuff like that. So there are these partnerships that are happening. 
But then there's a lot of car companies that are trying to do it themselves because they all see the future of where this is going and they want to corner that market. So if they have the, the deep pockets to go after it themselves. Technology that you described as the M-I-E-C. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had a video clip in your in your video showing that technology and it's this honeycomb yeah. basically separating the cathode and the anode it's using these th- that video was of the nanoscale tubes that make up that honeycomb architecture yeah and it allows the it allows that for that expansion and contraction that you have when batteries are charging and discharging right and that's kind of the breakthrough is this what I found fascinating about that was you had the earlier video where you showed the cathode and the anode and the barrier in between and the transition of the electrons and the growth of the dendrites. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you showed the honeycomb structure, the nanotubes creating the honeycomb structure. And what I like about the nanotube image and video is you could reuse that for any number of things. And nobody would know because there's no way to tell (laughs) what you're looking at. (laughs) It was this, you could be like, and here's a vascular tube inside the human heart, or here's an electrode inside a computer, or here is an active neuron in a mouse's brain as it is being stimulated in a maze. It literally is at a scale where... You can't tell. If at any moment it had zoomed in and we had seen the face of God, I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> when I was, when I make videos like these, I always struggle with how detailed do I go? Cause it's like my understanding of this hits a, a, a wall. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, I don't want to go too detailed because it's like, that's ultimately not important for mm-hmm. the video. It's, it's more, I'm just trying to give context around what's going on and like, like there's there's so many ways to skin a cat and there's so many yeah. ways to come at this. There's not one right way. Look at all these companies that are trying different things. There's these amazing advancements. And I wanted to just go in just deep enough to just show the crazy stuff that's going on. <laughs> but at the same time, like that that microscopic view of that nanotube, it was kind of like <laughs> Yeah. You could have said what this are we is looking a, at? a cardiovascular pump. Yeah. <laughs> you could have called it anything. <laughs> yeah. Here's an antenna. On an ant searching for sugar. (laughs) Notice the vibrations as it is detecting the scent. (laughs) So I'm, I found it. One of the things I think that your video demonstrated was the attempt to balance what the companies themselves are balancing, Mm -hmm. which is hype versus Mm. legitimate news. Yeah. You know, hard and by news, I mean like hard, practical information that is now you can take this and go do something with it. Right. So as opposed to, you know, trivia, which is like you can name, you know, all 50 states in alphabetical order as opposed to you have a map in your head and you're able to actually go from state to state. You could choose a path to reach certain locations. So your video was demonstrating on a small scale what these companies are demonstrating on a large scale, which is how much of your excitement around this technology is driving you to run out and say, hey, everybody, listen to what I have to tell you. 
mm-hmm. versus here's something that's actually practical information for you to have and use it in your planning. Mm-hmm. And you talked about companies like Toyota saying, like, we've got this thing, we're going to be showing it to you later this year, but whisper, whisper, uh, we won't actually be selling any cars like it for probably five years. Yeah. Um, or IBM, which I really liked watching you tap dance around the, they may be lying. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they're lying. I really don't. don't. I don't think they're lying either, but I think they're using corporate speak. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I think their technology probably is really revolutionary in a computer simulation. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now it's got to go through labs and now it's got to go to commercial manufacturing. It's like, I don't, (laughs) this is one of those things to like i know you like science fiction and i like science fiction we grew up watching you know star trek and all those great things and it's like i've always been excited about what the future can hold for us with this technology and that's why i love it and mm-hmm. i get super excited about it but i'm also a very practical pragmatic person and i tend to want to understand like well how does this work and when are we going to actually see this and so the hype machine drives me nuts yeah. Which is why I do videos like this one specifically, which was I hear from a lot of viewers that say, well, solid state's right around the corner. I'm I'm waiting for Tesla to come out with their solid state battery. And, you know, Toyota's doing it and this company's doing it. And whenever I dig into it, it's like, uh, no, they're not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're going to be waiting 5, 10, 15 years for some of this technology. And that's part of why I made this this video is to try to I don't want to like get people not excited about it, but I just want to make sure people understand and and to call bullshit yeah. <laughs> on a lot of the corporate hype. And in your comments, I noted noticed comments that were actually at both ends of the response spectrum. Mm-hmm. There was a comment that popped out, which was a guy saying like, Oh, 10 years that then, you know, what's the point of these breakthroughs if we have to wait 10 years? Yeah, And at the other end was a guy who called you out for being a part of the problem with the hype machine. (laughs) And like, yeah, this is all hype. No different from this video. And I thought that both were missing the mark a little Mm -hmm. bit because I think, you know, ultimately the point of your channel, um, does not strike me as being a hype machine. You want to be providing, it seems like, and again, we've never met before, so this is not biased at all. <laughs> I think that your channel is a demonstration of an attempt to start a discussion, be involved in discussion, and to educate so that when something pops up on a commercial and says, the battery that will change your life. Yeah. And you're in the background saying like, uh, it's only for power tools. (laughs) It's always good to be just a little bit cynical, just have a little bit of a, be a little bit of a cynic and be kind of like, yeah. And, and and challenge and push back a little bit and and dig into it for yourself and, and actually find out what's behind the hype. And if there actually is something there. And, and many of the researchers I'm sure are grinding their teeth at night over the game of telephone that happens where they work for a company. They've been funded by a company. They're in a research department somewhere at a university. Mm-hmm. 
and they're in a lab and they're working with a 3D model and a computer or they've been working with the basic chemistry of all this stuff for a decade, 15 years. Yeah. And they have what they consider a breakthrough and they provide a report to a funder that says we've had some success in the past year with this technology. And then that report gets transferred from the person they're reporting to, to somebody else who gives it to somebody else who gives it to the PR department. Yep. And then the PR department puts out a news blast to news agencies. And then those news agencies have reporters who don't understand what's being provided to them in enough detail <laughs> Yes, and then water it down even further yeah. to, so IBM has a battery that is going to make babies learn faster. <laughs> I can, I can tell you for a fact that is 100% true. It's like, I've actually become friends with somebody that is in the know on a lot of this stuff. Somebody that's in battery research and understands materials and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I use him as a reference a lot for some of the stuff I put together. And he has at times sent me text messages to other YouTube videos where he'll he'll send me this and goes, this is the kind of video that makes battery researchers so frustrated. And I watched the video and it's somebody going, this solid state battery stuff is amazing. You know, it's, right. it's that kind of stuff. And so like when I see those kind of videos, it's a, it's, and I hear from the flip side of this guy saying, this drives us nuts. Right. <laughs> That's part of why I make videos like this, which is just kind of, let's hopefully cooler heads prevail and let's try to understand what's actually going on. Right. One of the issues that we deal with with technology and I forget what the, the speed of technology development is getting faster every year Mm -hmm. and the developments themselves are getting bigger every year. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's a measurable thing. And if you think about like grand scale, you go back to the industrial revolution, how much time between the development of gears to the development of something like the water wheel or the wind turbine to, you know, like as you went from it taking centuries or decades. And now we've reached a point where we're looking at every year you get a new cell phone and the cell phone's capacity has doubled and the connectivity speed is doubling. And we're now on the verge of, We've talked about this before with gaming technology, being able to do mobile gaming over data as opposed to over Wi-Fi with remote servers that are providing you with the computing power so that what you're doing is you're standing on the street corner playing Halo on your phone. Yeah. Stuff like that happening all the time. And we become accustomed to that speed. It feels almost like battery technology is one of those technologies that is not walking toe to toe with something like cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it's almost like a couple of decades behind. And I was wondering if there was a technology analogy of where you think battery technology is right now compared to something like cell phones. Like, would you say, Oh, battery technology is sort of like where cell phones were in the mid eighties about to make a major breakthrough, about to do something fundamentally different to change the paradigm of how people view phones, but not quite there yet. I would, I would say that's true. I, th- I feel like it, it does feel like it's lagging behind and how quickly you're seeing advancements. It's part of the reason a lot of people say things like, we've reached peak battery. 
they're as good as they're going to get. It's like, well, no, right. There's been plenty of advancements over the past 30 years, but it's happening at a much slower rollout than what we're seeing through computers and cell phones and the internet and all these great technologies that are coming elsewhere, but they're happening. They're just not happening at the pace you expect. And for me, all the, the more research I've done into this, the more I see there's not like one battery that's going to rule them all. It's like there's a dozen different things that are happening. There's stuff called flow batteries, which are just, for me, just mind melting how they work. It's just basically giant vats of liquid that cycle through this thing. Right. <laughs> just, it's like infinitely recyclable and like can provide immense power storage for grid scale storage. It's like there's so many things that are happening right now right. with this stuff that in 10 years... It's like you'll see one technology corner the market in grid storage. You'll see another one corner the technology in passenger cars. You'll see another one that will, you know, corner the market in cell phones. And I f- it feels to me like we're right as the wave is starting to crest. So I feel like over the next decade, we're going to see crazy stuff happen with energy storage. So it's 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 coming. It feels like it's coming. And I think one of the things that's at play is people's understanding of developments and what a breakthrough could look like is based very much in the context of their current reality. It goes back to the idea of I think it was Arthur C. Clarke who said all science fiction is at a limit of 25 years. Yeah. From now, because we can't imagine past a 25 year window. Um, well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually just listening to a podcast. There's a, a podcast called twit, uh, this week in tech and Marquez Brownlee, who does YouTube and reviews, uh, cell phones and smart technologies like that. And then he had also one of the other guests on the show was Amy. I can't remember her last name, but she's a, a researcher and a futurist. And she bases all of her research for what where future technology is going based on actual data, like analytical data from what's going on today to see the trends and project them out 20 years. And she projected a bunch, number of years ago, she projected that we were going to reach peak cell phones, peak smartphone in 2019. And she was spot on accurate because mm-hmm. 2019 was around the time that we started to see smartphone sales start to drop for the first time. Mm-hmm. And we have heat. We have reached peak smartphone. Everybody has a smartphone now, and the rate of technology advancements in smartphones has slowed down dramatically. Right. And she's now predicting, based on all the data that she's seeing, is that smartphones are basically dead. Like they're just going to slowly go away. And They'll all be the same. Not even that. They're just going to go away. We won't need them. Like mm. in twenty years. And what's going to go to is smaller pieces of technology, like smart earbuds and smart eyeglasses and right. she thinks eyeglasses are going to be where everything's going to go because Which so many people Google wear them anyway. to do, but they were ahead of the they were too far right. ahead and so yeah. she said that's where it's going to be 20 years from now and it's funny that everybody's basically saying oh that's insane no way and even marquez brownlee was like i don't know about that i think right. that it's like you're just your point of there's that 25 year cycle. It's hard to see past that barrier. And that's exactly what she does is she tries to see past it and she's seeing smartphones. They're on their way out. (laughs) It's it's hard to imagine that they're going to be going away because everybody has one and they're ubiquitous to daily life now, but they're going to go away. That's, that's an interesting conjuring of, of what I was talking about with the limitations of imagination, the response to that. Mm -hmm being a sort of knee jerk, like, Oh no, 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 yeah. no, that's not, that's not where we're headed. 
because that seems so alien and foreign to me. And I think that that is easily seen in what you're talking about with the batteries here. The idea Mm -hmm. that we have an understanding of how long a battery will hold its charge. We have an understanding of how long it will take a battery to charge. Mm -hmm. We have an understanding of what it looks like when you are charging a battery. Something as simple as a charging plate that you just put your phone on. I remember two years ago with just like, oh, no, 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 that that's a hot plate. Come on. You cook an egg on that. You don't charge your battery on that. Yeah. One of your commenters left uh, a comment. His name is Brian Lear. And he wrote at some point in the past, lithium ion batteries were, quote, just another battery breakthrough. Do people really believe that was the last real breakthrough in electrical storage ever? Amen. And that I thought was a good summary of of your whole conversation here, which is just because we have in our own ways, limitations and what we can imagine past what we see around us doesn't mean that we are actually at those limitations and the chemists, the people who don't think in terms of how long does it take my battery to charge in my phone? The people who are asking the question of how fast can you transfer power between these two chemical states? Right. Those people are pushing the technology because of their curiosity as opposed to their thinking in terms of how can I do X, Y, or Z with the thing in my pocket? Yep. Necessity is the mother of invention. When we hit a wall and we're like, well, we can't really do more than what we've we've got with the technologies we have today. There's always going to be somebody going, well, how do we get around that? There's always going to be somebody that's going to be pushing those boundaries to find a better way. And there's so many, I get comments like that on videos with um, electric vehicles, people saying fast charging is not possible. It's going to destroy the grid because the amount of power it takes to charge a car, even on this video, to charge a car in 15 minutes, it requires so much power that you'll destroy the grid. And it's like, technically that's true if every car plugged in at the same time, which they're not. And two, there are solutions to that. And there's companies already coming up with solutions. To that right. for that so it's it's one of those it's technically some of these people that have trouble kind of like seeing beyond where this can go yeah. Yeah. they're not wrong but yeah. they're they're not pushing themselves out of the box that they understand of today it seems a little bit like you know the the theoretical arguments of how many angels can dance on the head of a pin mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's it gets into you know technically your your statement is true and logically, I can follow everything, but the myriad of complexities around the edges of that yeah. um, are always causing turbulence and changing the real outcome. Right. And sometimes the complexity of that is other people inventing new things. Exactly. Precisely. This has been a very philosophical episode. <laughs> it has been. <laughs> it's been really deep, and I keep looking at my bread. <laughs> So I think that um, to wrap up the conversation with that comment, I think is a good place to end. I did want to make one recommendation to our listeners. And I think that you, based on some of the conversations we've had in the past couple of days, I think you'd probably back me up on this. I wanted to recommend to our viewers, if you're interested in just this sort of subject matter, the pushing of technology, the edge of human imagination, 
and its impact into our lives along with some cool thriller plotting. Mm -hmm. I recommend the show devs. Yeah. I knew you were going there, (laughs) which is on Hulu. It is one of the FX on Hulu shows. Now that Disney owns half the world, they are using Hulu and FX on Hulu specifically as a place where the programming that is too mature for Disney plus is going to be funneled through Hulu. And this is one of those programs where it's an extremely well done show by the creator of ex machina, Alex Garland. He's got a very, he's an interesting hybrid. It feels like he is the creative love child between Kubrick and Spielberg. Yeah, I can see that. Where he tells very human stories in a Spielberg way that have a vision and a drive of emotional and philosophical energy that seems to come from Kubrick. Yeah. And his visual style is sort of balanced between the two of them in a way that I really appreciate. What I really like about Debs and why I bring it up in this episode and and why I say that it connects to what we're talking about is it is about a tech developer, arguably a Elon Musk or a Bill Gates, a Steve Jobs type character who has created a company that is working on a thing that would so fundamentally change human existence. It is kept tightly under wraps. And when those protective barriers are threatened, the company goes to extreme lengths to protect them. And that includes murder. And that is all the setup from the pilot. So that is not giving away too much, (laughs) not giving away anything really, because it's all like, here's this thing and here's what they'll do to protect it. And then the show takes off from there as a person is trying to figure out if they are really seeing a threat that is coming from this company to protect this intellectual property. And ultimately what does that intellectual property mean for humanity? Yeah. And it is a show of very big ideas in equal mix with very human storytelling. And I think it's really, really well done. Yeah, so I highly recommend it. I, I've only watched the pilot so far. And it is exceptional. It's extremely well made. It's also beautiful to look at. It's very well filmed. It's filmed and it's and it's set in Seattle. Um, so it's lots of shots of both uh, major metropolitan city and forest wooded forests, <laughs> yeah. um, a mountain range, and it has surreal elements mixed in with that as well because the man who's uh, started this tech company has created this magnificently giant statue as an ode to his daughter. And so there's this image of this little girl (laughs) towering above buildings and towering (laughs) above the trees. And it's very surreal and it's lovely, but it's weird. Well, I, I said to you, Sean, when you asked me what I thought of it, my first reaction was, I understand why Sean loves this so much because Sean's a writer. He's got several books published and it's, 
I'm 10 minutes into the episode and the, there's a helicopter shot, this drone shot going over the forest and you see this giant statue of this girl in the, the, the woods. And my first reaction was, this is just like something Sean would write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like out of Sean's brain, this show came to us. And so it's like, yeah. it's right up Sean's alley. It's right up my alley too. It's, it's a really, really well done show. Yeah. I will say that this is a show I'm fully middle-aged at this point. You know, I embrace it. Um, and I've come, I'm, I'm much more comfortable with seeing things that make me jealous. Yeah. As opposed to even, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, it was really hard for me at times. If I saw something that was close to something that I was, I was making myself. And this show would be one of those things that several years ago, this show would have made me walk out of the room because I would have been so upset because I would have been so jealous that I didn't come up with it that i didn't write it that it wasn't mine yeah i don't have that reaction now but i do appreciate the comment that you make that it reminded you of of stuff that i would make and and i would say that if this does resemble not necessarily um in plotting or uh in environment but in kind of spirit i think that if any of the viewers or listeners are interested um my book man in the empty suit is Mm -hmm. the one that for me it feels like it's sort of a kindred spirit of oh yeah i know where this guy is coming from i know where this guy is talking from um so it has it's yeah so if anybody's interested in what my work is like uh in comparison to a show like that man in the empty suit is the place to go yeah that's the book that watching this show made me feel like i was reading that book again yeah i appreciate that thank you yeah so i think that's where we'll wrap it up does anybody have any comments or thoughts about any of this? Let us know what you think. You can reach out to us on Twitter. There are several ways to do that. There's the still TBD FM Twitter account. There's the by Sean Farrell account, which is me. There's the Matt Farrell Twitter account, which is Matthew. And he also has the undecided MF account. Be sure to watch the latest videos from undecided with Matt Farrell on YouTube. And you can find the podcast at stilltbd.fm. Please subscribe. You can find us on all the major podcast providers like iTunes and Spotify. And you can give us ratings, reviews, and share us with your friends because that really helps the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And Matthew helps me. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.